podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. With me, Russell Guyver, and my co-host, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hey, Russ. And what a tragic set of events we need to talk about. Um, I'm absolutely disgusted, Peter. I cannot believe we only scored two goals in the second half. Deserve you out. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's sickening. As Paul Merson said, we've basically given up on Europe, haven't we? You know, <laughs> with that team selection, it basically just couldn't be asked to, to bother anymore. Yeah, we got the Paul Merson dig in nice and early. Good, good. I appreciate that. But in case we forgot to do it, which would be a great Great. Great. is right. What are these foreign managers doing coming over here? You know, they don't they don't understand our game. Yeah, Sooners, of course, is leaving Sky after 15 years. I'm so gutted that it didn't How happen. How are they going to miss his insight? He's going to become the Premier League's official managerial appointment overseer. Yeah. Oh, God. No, I'm, I'm gutted that it didn't happen sooner. But it, it, he's a, a dinosaur, basically, wasn't he? I didn't think he was too bad at one point with his analysis stuff. But once he started talking crap about, as you know, about Deserby uh, being a, a, a manager who hops from job to job and doesn't work in a, in a, in a country where he speaks yeah, a lot. A bit like Graham Sunis. When it was pointed out exactly that he did exactly the same thing. So I'm sure <laughs> Graham Sunis spoke Turkish when he went to Turkey. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he did. Yeah. I'm sure he, you know, he spoke every word of Turkish. He'd, he'd been in the league before and all that, you know. So, and I'm um, yeah. Glaswegian. I mean, that that really does sound like a foreign language if you get a strong accent on that one. Anyway, but uh, getting on with that, uh, that of course is his own accent, probably pretty much. I don't know where he's from in Scotland, and quite frankly, I don't care to be honest because he's an irritant. Uh, but he, he'll of course, long. He'll be a, a very soon forgotten irritant, and he's off the uh, Sky channels. Anyway, that's enough about. Pundits I can't stand, although we could mention Garth Crooks as well. We could have a whole show on that, couldn't we? Come on, we we, we might as well. Seeing as we've, right, last week was it when we were at uh, Wembley and um, before the game we were looking at the scores, weren't we? And we saw the rolling news of um, of Tottenham going 1 0 down, 2 0 down, 3 0 down, 4 0 down, 5 0 down in what was it, 21 minutes at Newcastle, ending up losing 6 1. And um, of course, um, Garth Crooks' team of the week, everyone's favourite and very insightful uh, choice uh, selection, uh, had how many Newcastle players were in there? One. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. And what else did he do? I think he did some other cock ups. He had Manu, one Manu defender in there, basically, because he scored the winning penalty in Lindelof and then uh, didn't have any Albion ones, despite the fact we'd not conceded either. And Yeah, he didn't put the man of the match from the game then, Caicedo, or, no. or either of the goalies who played well or anything like that. No, no, no. did not put any of that. And which then goalie did he put in? The Spurs goalie? Of, it? Um, horrendous things, yeah, but hilarious things. Talk of um, Spurs. I mean, I don't know what it's worse, losing 6-1 or losing 4-3, having come back from three down and then gifting your opponents a goal on the fourth minute of injury time. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I don't know what's going on with Spurs. The 6-1 at Newcastle, they went 2-0 down against Man U rather annoyingly, actually came back to 2 all. Liverpool yesterday, as we speak, so on Sunday, um, 3-0 down uh, in, in, I think, after about 25 minutes or something, came back to 3 all and with a, with a what was it, a last-minute equaliser and then concede uh, way into extra time amazingly hilarious i have to say also what was hilarious, With a dreadful pass as well from lucas mora who yeah just basically gifted the goal to jota yeah and, and then and, start moaning about var and about reverie as we all know even out over the season because that's what tottenham told us reliably a few weeks ago so and their yeah, fans 
So, you know. I forgot to mention, by the way, on the last podcast, that I drove past um, Stellini the day we did our last podcast, uh, walking along with what might have been his parents or some other friends or relatives, walking along in uh, Totteridge and Whetstone area. That was a bit uh, surreal. If I'd have known in advance it was going to happen, I would have had a, a few um, a few words of um, wisdom to uh, impart in his direction. Uh, anyway, the game, yes. So we've alluded to it briefly. Let's get into the details. Brighton and Hove Albion 6, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil in the longest named derby in English football, the two longest named teams. Um, goal scorers. That's really stretching the word derby, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Undav, another player we need to get out of the team. He didn't score two goals in a row, unlike our other goal scorers. Disgraceful. Goal scorers were Undav, Grosh, Grosh, Welbeck, Welbeck, and Undav. Quite neatly bookended, that, isn't it? It's quite nice. And that is uh, two or three records. First of all, it is a record win for the Albion at the Amex. It is also a record win for Albion in the Premier League and the top flight in general, uh, which is fantastic. First time you scored six. Yeah, and I believe it is only the fifth time in Premier League history, or it might be top flight history, that three different players have each scored a brace. Um uh, alluding to what I mentioned just now, those uh, those three players, Undav, Grosh and Welbeck. Um, Most top flight points ever for us as well. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, that's right. And um, I mean, we've already had the most goals in a top flight for us by a long way, quite a long time ago. Yeah, we've had our first wins against Chelsea and uh, we've done the double over Chelsea. We had wins Everton for the first time, although that was last season, I think, wasn't it? Uh, We're breaking all the records bit by bit. And what we need to do now on Thursday is do a double over Man United. Wouldn't that be nice? Revenge after the cup. It would be very nice, yeah. But getting into the match. So you were at the game as well, Peter, I assume. Um, Yeah. What a good start. I mean, the, the goals, we were 4-0 up at half-time, and just after the second half starts, they made three subs, probably trying to give it some gung-ho, try to come back into the game scenario. And lo and behold, uh, in the 48th minute, they're 5-0 down, and then the rest is uh, is history from there. Um, pretty good game, wasn't it, from our point of view? Just to quickly, if I just first of all just read out the team sheet, if I can come to it, because we had some inevitable uh, restings of players. You could argue we had our four strongest players, depending on who you think are our four strongest players. Ferguson, of course, he wasn't able to come back yet. And the resting of Mitama, Alexis McAllister and of um, Caicedo. So the team was stealing goal. Veltman, who was able to come back in at right back. Webster and Dunk centre. And Estupinian on the left. Grosh and Gilmore coming back in um, as the central midfielders further deep set. We had March on the le- on the right and Cecil on the left and then Undav behind Welbeck, although that front four I felt was quite fluid and kept changing around. So that's that's a just like a, a general guideline to how the team laid, laid itself out. Um, Caicedo did come on in the 65th minute, uh, as did uh, McAllister. 56th minute, Buenonote came on again uh, with Mitama. Um, uh, so that was the general lineup and... There, we, we expected quite a few changes, didn't we? And what we were worried about was having had a couple of underperforming games where we looked a bit tired. We wondered if we would underperform for a different reason, but not quite the case. <laughs> Discuss, Peter. I mean, let me preface anything I say by saying that Wolves were probably the worst team I think I've ever seen in the Premier League. Ooh. They were absolutely abject. And I don't know what, what their plan was. They just seemed to not not want to want to defend, and I really hope they're better at the weekend because they've got Villa home. I hope that's a bit of a shock, and uh, hopefully and they can then, uh, nice they'll then react. Hmm. Be nice to see them react to that with a win there. Um, but yeah, I, we were brilliant. I don't know every single one of them. So there was a lot of discussion about man the match. I think Welbeck got it at the, at the ground. Personally, yeah. I'd probably given it to 
probably to end CISO just above Gilmore and Grosh. Yeah. Um, I can't agree with that. Brilliant yeah. in a in a position that he's not really played for us before, and he he terrorised. Tomato's not had a good time against us this season. Both times he'd ended up off before half time. Once because for set being sent off because Matomas terrorised him, and once for being injured after Inciso terrorised him. So he's not. He'll be glad not playing us again season. I think, yeah. or ever again possibly if he can avoid it. I think Enciso so, yeah, four of the goals, wasn't he? He set two of them up as, yeah. as a assist. Um, but he was yeah, involved. He, in he was brilliant. Yeah. The, uh, the the player who who played against Villa in November who looked a bit a bit overawed and a bit kind of a bit too weak for the Premier League at times and quite greedy when given the situation has gone and I mean that that the, that weighted through ball for Grosh for the second goal was superb and the number of times he, he broke at their players and just ran at them and he looks like he's still got the you know the kind of the fearlessness of youth but also as you know they've worked on him as well he's stronger now and he looks like a player who. Next season, I'm so excited to see how he'll develop after a full feet pre-season with Deserby. And, uh, you know, having had the experience of this season, he's going to be, you know, could be brilliant. And, you know, you look at someone like him coming in and you think, well, you know, we lose McAllister and Casado, but we're going to get better players. You know, players like him are going to improve and we won't miss certain, certainly McAllister so much. We need, obviously, you know, he's not a Casado replacement, but he could be where McAllister plays at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he, he was brilliant. I thought Gilmore, considering he hadn't played for, you know, a couple of months at all, I don't think. He hadn't featured at all. Uh, was superb. I mean, in all honesty, he probably wasn't up against the best midfield he'll ever play against. But he, the way he, he ran that midfield was, was superb. He was the one who started the move for the second goal. And he was, and he almost scored himself as well, which would have been his first, yeah. first ever goal, apparently, in, in, um, professional or first team football. Oh. Um, Undav, for all his, oh, you know, I mean, his first goal wasn't much, wasn't a tough chance, but, and he started off a bit nervy, but actually gave the ball away a few times. But he grew into the game, and that second goal was superbly taken. Oh, and yeah, he was brilliant. Grosh, I mean, yeah, he, he's, his second goal was... He'll be up there for goal of the month with uh, with Enciso's goal at Chelsea, I think. Mm, and uh, Yeah, exactly, yeah. Also, speaking of Chelsea, by the way, of course, their goal of the month competition comprises... Conor Gallagher's deflected goal against us, because that was the only one. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, Enciso's goal... At Chelsea was superb. I, I was saying at the time, and on further reflection, I'm not completely sure, but I was saying at the time of the goal on Saturday that I thought Grosh's second might have been uh, straight away the goal of the season because it was beautifully played in with snap and and purpose uh, to him from Enciso. One touch to control it and, and pop it up in the air a little bit and then a volley from that into the top corner. A lovely one where you just sort of kick in the kick into it and it just yeah. goes into the top corner. Um well not the top corner but more or less. And um goalkeeper no chance. Beautiful goal, stunning goal. Everyone loved it. And yeah. that was obviously the third goal of the game, uh, which I've already put to bed put to bed the game. Yeah. And you, I think probably overall six no if anything flattered Wolves, to yeah, be I honest. Eight, eight well, nil, that chance when their keeper passed it straight to him, which he should have done better with. Um obviously had another one which Actually, if you look at it, the keeper saved it. If, it, if he'd scored, it might not have ended up being offside because it was pretty close. Um, Estupinian went through a couple of times, second half, and almost got it, poked it home. Uh, we hit the post through Gilmore. But yeah, if anything, 6-0. And actually, I met for the wall stand afterwards, and they were saying they were lucky to get away with 6-0. Yeah, uh, I, I feel it feels similarly the way I did it when we lost at West Ham that time when we didn't we didn't deserve to score nil and they <laughs> they deserve they would have scored yeah. more if they could be bothered really. I mean it's, it's, it's a similar, similar one the other way around. 
the timings of goals. I mean, they they were three 0 up after ten minutes in that match. Yeah. But the timings in general, were, you know, the, the whole game was over in the first half in that on that day, and it was again on Saturday. And there's some similarities there, certainly. Um, and I think, yeah, they they need to bounce back from that, and hopefully they will. In a funny sort of way, we might have done ourselves a double favour in beating yeah. Wolf, Neil Bruton. Well, there'll, there'll need to be a reaction, won't there? And yeah. it would be really good to, if they could go and at least get a draw against Villa from that. That would be brilliant. Yeah. And it's a derby as well, so they'll be up for it from that point of view too. Um, and they're still not safe for all you know the talk of it. They're not they're not officially safe. I think forty is just what just to make sure would be nice from their point of view. I'd have thought. Yeah, the bonus, by the way, although, you know, anybody we could catch could, you know, we don't want any points to go to, but Man United probably were least worried about because we're less likely to catch them. Um, they've gone back to eight points ahead of us and we've got obviously the game against them coming up. But um, the point is they beat Aston Villa 1-0, which made this result yeah. even better. So we gained, gained on them. Yes. And similarly, I think probably overall, given the respective run-ins and form, I think Liverpool beating Spurs was good for us. Yeah. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have been against the draw. It wouldn't have been the worst result, but... Yeah. Certainly didn't want Spurs to win that. There's been some incredible scores this year. I mean, we've had Liverpool thrash Man United 7-0 despite having a bad season earlier in the season. They've also had the 4-3 with Spurs and 6-1 away at Leeds. And 9-0 against Bournemouth. And 9-0 against Bournemouth. So they're doing quite well. We've had 4-1 against Chelsea. We've had 4-0 against West Ham. We've had 4 one against Leicester. Yeah, 5 against Leicester, 6 against Wolves. 4-1 um, at Everton. 4-1 at Everton. And other teams, and 3 all at Liverpool and various other things, Various other sides have had high-scoring games as well. It's a mad season, isn't it? And even at the weekend, Bournemouth thrashing Leeds 4-1, which I'm sure you're gutted about, Peter. Uh, Leeds really looking in peril. They lost 6-1 to Liverpool. Only Leeds now have a record goals conceded in the uh, in a month in the Premier League, apparently. It's just annoying we drew with them when we had the lead twice, isn't it? That really... Yeah. I think that's two of our most valuably lost uh, points, so to speak, I think, of the whole season, really. Very frustrating. But anyway, let's talk this through then. So goal by goal. So we, the Undav goal, first of all, came in only the sixth minute. Um, it came from a ball across. He looked for most people in the stadium, I think, certainly where we were in the northern end of the West Upper, um, which is not the best vantage point. But we did suspect that was offside. A flag wasn't raised. It was then looked I think at he did as well. Yeah, by the he, way. He, he kind of looked, he stared at the linesman as if he had put his flag up and he, he hadn't. But um, there was an excruciating amount of time. I don't know how long it was, at least a couple of minutes where they were analysing it. It's almost like they're desperate to find a way to disallow a Brighton goal again. Um, but in the end, they did decide it was uh, onside, which apparently from TV, I still haven't seen the game back, to be honest, but apparently from TV, it, um, it looked pretty obviously Yeah. It was one of those where, in, in, when they originally talked about it, where, with um, if it, his arm would have been offside, but since they've changed the rules to to make it that um, that yeah, it's only your part of, you can play with that's going to be offside, then it, it's not. Um, Estupinian was offside at the far post, but obviously wasn't involved at all. Tomato yeah. um, played him on, which <laughs> was a part of a pretty miserable half for him, to be honest. Until <laughs> until he was taken out of his misery on in injury time by going off injured. Yeah. Oh, man, that was something else. Um, well, Danny Welbeck got the um, assist for that first goal as well, by the way. And he went on to, I can't remember when it came in the timeline, but he also had a chance in the first half where he was in on the right-hand side. It turned out it was just offside. That was um, a 2-0. That was a 2-0 when he tried to put it under the goalie. Um, but he obviously got his two goals later. Um, but it was Pascal Grosch that came into the equation after that. As you said, he he got the next two, 13 and 26 minutes, um, both of which were set up by Enciso. We've already talked about Who also set up that, that chance for Welbeck with a brilliant ball, a really fantastic chip over the top of the defence. 
for that well bet chance you just mentioned as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was delicious. Yeah, that was fantastic. So, so Gross's second goal. We've already talked about that. We're going a bit out of order here, but his first goal, Albion's second. Um, talk that one through. So, thirteen minutes gone, and see. Yeah, says, they, they lost it in the middle, didn't they? With uh, uh, yeah. Nunez lost it in the middle of the park, and it went kindly to Gilmore. I think he almost turned one way, and then turned, realized that the other way was better, so turned back yes. and played a beautiful ball right into Enciso's run. You know, it was literally, he didn't have to change stride at all or anything. Um, and so Enciso goes through, they, their defence opened up. What actually they were showing on match today was a really good run by Undav um, yes. to take the defence out of the way and leave them a really nice gap. Um, mm. And then, yeah, from there, um, from there it was, yeah, a really, I mean, Grosh took it really well. First time finish with his wrong foot. Really nice, really mm. nicely taken. It was actually, yeah. I think it goes under the radar with other goals that were scored uh, later, including by himself. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a good finish. And um, it set us well on the way. As I said, 2-0 two, two up after 13 minutes is dreamland. Fantastic. Playing well. Nice sunny day. Everything's going all right. Wolves had had one or two attacks, actually, uh, but they didn't seem to be able to do much with Still it. Still made a decent save at 2-0 at when Nunes should have done better, really, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it was interesting, by the way, Steele back in. I, I'm liking... Actually, the way we're now alternating the goalkeeper, so effectively we have two number ones. Yeah, well, I, I think still probably is number yeah. one when fit mm-hmm. and available. Yeah, but it, but it is a bit more of a. I, I feel less com- less uncomfortable than I would have been if we need to move one out due to an injury or a suspension or a or or, or some other reason, illness. Absolutely. Or I mean, as an example, I mean, you you look at Leeds at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you look at Leeds and they, the Millier is absolutely horrendously out of form. Yeah. Um, and they obviously don't trust, for whatever reason, their second goalkeeper, because otherwise, why would you leave a keeper in? Yeah. And this comes, um, yeah, and this, this comes with, um, off the back of, you know, a lot of people writing steel off. Was it one of his old clubs? Was it Sunderland or Middlesbrough? Yeah, Sunderland, I think. Sunderland I think when he was at Sunderland, it was an absolute basket case, weren't yeah. they? I mean, he, People they, were saying, they were in real trouble. What are you doing with him? You don't want to rely on him. You better hope your number one's okay. And and now, ironically, he is the number one. He's doing perfectly well in the Premier League, a, a division way above where Sunderland were at the time. I think they might have been in League One at the time. Yeah, um, I think so. Or maybe it was when they went down to League One that he was he was playing. He's oh, been exactly. with us for five seasons now. Yeah, he signed in. He signed at the start of Putin's last season. It's right. So they were probably in the Championship still then, but when they were when he was there, but. Going down to League One, they haven't done very well. But yeah, it shows what you can do in the right environment. And for, you know, for four and a half years, until the Zerbi came in, he was considered to be a reserve and nothing more and a cup goalkeeper and never looked like he was going anywhere else as well. Mm. And then, yeah, I mean, the, the transformation's been amazing. I mean, what he's done since what the Zerbi... I mean, he's among a lot of players who have transformed under the, under the Zerbi. The guy is, uh, you know... You know, I was never a huge fan of Potter, but mm. I absolutely love... Love Deserby. He is the best manager I think we've had. About I just, just, just thinking mm-hmm. about him. It's so hilarious. Everything he says and does and his actions, everything, yeah. obviously what he does for the for the team and for the club, it's been brilliant. And yeah, I mean, that's probably, I wouldn't say it's gone under the radar, but I think it's been less praised, the steel element versus the... Um, March, you know, for example. March element, yeah, and those kind of things. Um, but yeah, and also, just, just to say, these players coming in, standing in, a lot of people have already written Undav off. I said I'm still hopeful, but I'm worried. And, other, and I think others have said similar. And nobody was full of um, enthusiasm for him. 
apparently a nice guy. Everyone gets on with him. They just felt he lacked confidence. But Roberto De Zerbi, in fact, did say that as well. I think he said something along those lines. People were talking about his first touch and saying that maybe you just don't have, uh, well, not so much the first touch, but have wanting the extra touch that you can't really get at the Premier League versus yeah. where they thrived before. But actually, it's more to do, I think, with confidence. I think taking an extra touch because you're not confident is a typical thing, particularly for strikers and other attacking players. And I think maybe it's, you know, at no point has he had a long run in the team. And, and when you're under pressure to to make it count in a much shorter time frame, it's even harder to then succeed in doing so. And so it's, I'm, I'm delighted for him that at least on this occasion, yeah. he's, he had a good game. As you said, there was a good run off the ball. There's lots of good stuff he did away from the, the actual goal action. He also scored the two goals, which were one, one of them is... Uh, just your, your, your typical centre forward gets into a good position and finishes yeah, the right place at the right time. It's not to be underestimated because that's still about getting in the right position at the right time. That's that's one good thing which all strikers can do. And for actually a long time under Potter, we didn't really have anyone to do that. No, exactly. And and then you have got the second goal, which we'll talk about in a little while, which is a great finish. And so you a, a, and that finish is the finish of a confident player. Yeah, exactly. So that's looked, the big thing. Is that he looked that looked a confident yeah. finish? I mean, it helps with five up. You might not try that nil nil in the last minute. <laughs> well, but, but it's like he just suddenly snapped into into action. I don't know if the the fact he got a run out in Wembley, uh, despite it not being a disappointing result, the fact he played at Wembley, maybe I don't know if that was the the kind of boost he needed or something that happened behind the scenes in the last week yeah. or two, or whether it just clicked when it clicked, you know. But I'm delighted for him. I mean, again, it did help that Wolves were awful. I mean, let's well, let's not get course. carried away. I mean, he's still going to have a lot of work to get regular first team plays, given we've got Welbeck and Ferguson, and now we're signing Jao Pedro as well, who can yeah. play up front if needed. It's going to take a lot for him to get yeah. any sort of regular game time. Oh, yeah, t- taken, you know. yeah point taken. And also, uh, the, I was just about to talk about, which you've already mentioned, Billy Gilmore, yes, against a much weaker midfield, not playing well. But it's great that he's taken his chance, yeah. at least from his side of it, he's taken his chance. I think the the thing that Gilmore game. has that maybe Undav doesn't so much, is he's really young as well. He's only 21, 22 still. Whereas yeah. Undav is like mid, mid-20s sort of thing. He's probably not going to improve loads in terms of ability. Whereas Gilmore, if we give him a run, I mean, people were writing off Gilmore, and it's like he's hardly played. And I don't think he's ever played that badly, really, when he has. He's just not really been given a chance. And, this you know, it's thing. fair enough. It's like, With anyone that doesn't play regularly, you have to take that into yeah. account. That is a major factor in whether someone's playing well or not when they do get minimal incidental yeah. chances, you know. And, it, and I think the difference is with Undav, we, I know Ferguson obviously was you know, regarded very highly by the club. But they effectively tried an, un- an untested 18-year-old ahead mm. of him. Whereas we, in Gilmore's case, they've just had two of the arguably best midfielders ever in our history, probably the best two ahead of him. I mean, it's it's maybe very hard best, when you've got to say that. Actually, afterwards, the uh, said, maybe I should have given him more game time to, to give the others a rest or something. Yeah. I think I mean, the big bonus on, I think, is, I could be wrong here, but I think the suspension for 10 bookings is 32 games, I think, isn't it? In which case, and I think I think Casado's on eight, so hopefully that means he's missed out on any potential two-game ban. Because when's the watershed? That now, pretty much. I think it's game thirty-two. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. So regardless of when you play it, it's, it's yeah, the, it's, it's it's game week rather than so other teams have all had theirs already. Whereas I think we still got ours, but I think he's only on eight bookings, which would mean yeah. he can't. Yeah. So he's. I think it's week thirty-two. That's I could be wrong though. But it's good. I mean, he really ran the game, Gilmore. I thought he was... Uh, he yeah, was, he did. 
really bossing that midfield. He, he was playing with a, a confidence and a swagger. He was linking up well. You can see he didn't look of... like a player who hadn't played for ages at any no. point. He looked, I mean, that, the confidence to take that shot as well. And he, you know, it wasn't far off. I'm not convinced Sar would have got it if it had just kept in the corner. Yeah, he didn't, did he? He didn't look um, like a player that hadn't played. That's interesting factor, actually. I thought. Um, and you know it was superb. So that so we had uh, Undav's first goal. We had the Grosh goal. Uh, Peter's telling me, and we, we might as well mention it. Actually, we're, we're recording this on Monday evening, and so we've got. And it's not even the last game of the weekend because Arsenal are playing Chelsea. Their weekend games tomorrow, Tuesday, which is a bit weird. But anyway, yeah. um, but tonight it's a big relegation battle. Everton Leicester, which is at is it at Everton? At Leicester. Oh, at Leicester, and it's um, who Everton went one 0 up, did they? Yeah. Um, penalty from Calvert Lewin and Leicester just equalised. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, a, a, it's a place we've been before, there or thereabouts, and we don't envy those teams. But it's great as a neutral looking on and seeing how that's all unfolding, isn't it? Yeah. We mentioned Leeds, of course. Um, Bournemouth looks safe after their latest win. Um, but Southampton, uh, Leicester, Everton, Forest as well, despite beating us in midweek, um, they they screwed up a lead against Brentford. Apparently, a little bit unlucky, by all accounts, and lost two one. So they're they're back in the mire. Whatever happens, they're in the bottom three at the end of this sequence. Yeah. Because the Everton and Leicester are playing each other. So yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that's the latest on there. That's of course going to be out of date by the time you're listening. But never mind. Um, but uh, we do like to keep you abreast of things way after they've happened. Um, and speaking of which, uh, way after uh, the game happened at the weekend, we were talking about the first three goals: Undav, Grosh, and Grosh again. Grosh's second one, our third, was absolutely amazing. I'm still smiling from ear to ear when, when I think yeah. about that. But that wasn't even it for half time. That was the I point. actually didn't think it was a great pass from NC, so it kind of bobbled a bit to him and he did really well to take that touch and then and then do yeah, do what he did. I mean it was a yeah, brilliant. It was a brilliant volley, fantastic finish. A and player who is, you know, kind of somewhat underrated by some of our fan base and probably hasn't been used to the best of his position for under Potter for quite a long time. Yeah. He looks a different player since moved further forward under Potter last season. You know, at one point it looked like he might be leaving end of last season. He wasn't really getting a place in the team. If he was, he was further back in deep midfield. Now, even when he plays deep midfield, he looks a lot better. Like like he did at the weekend, he, he looks a different player. But mm. I think the, the restrictions of what he was playing on under Potter. Mm. Yeah. And once he had the shackles taken off, so to speak, he's been brilliant. Yeah, I 100% agree. Eight, eight uh, Premier League goals for the season. Yeah, that's it. And um, and Welbeck, you know, he's he's starting to rack the rack them up, isn't he? As he's well, he's got six now in the Premier League, which, considering he hasn't scored for ages, is pretty. Yeah, he finished last season really strongly as well. Yeah, so maybe that's a pattern we can we can keep um, benefiting from. But he, yeah, he started playing well, very, very right from the off of the season, and he was he was being really significant in what we were doing well at that beginning of the season under Potter, and he carried on playing quite well. And then he, before he got a couple of injuries, and um, and he, he just it was curious, it, it was a curiosity that he hadn't scored, and now as you said, he's up to six. He's starting to pop them all away. It, it isn't a curiosity in a way; it's the way he plays. You know, he is really good with everything except finishing. I think, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah he doesn't. You know, he his finishing has never been that great. He's never got lots of goals for any of the clubs he's played for. Yeah, and but it, his all round play is really good, and it's generally, um, you know, kind of there, Peter. And the the interesting thing is, he could have had a hat trick. Obviously, there was that offside goal. I'm not talking about that, but he could have had a hat trick anyway, um, because I think it was before his first goal, or no, it was actually after his first goal. No, um, before, before his first goal, yeah. Two nil. He had that chance. Yeah, he handed the ball um, by one of their defensive players, and and then he just put it straight over the bar. Really, yeah, he had time for a touch there. I felt. Yeah, exactly. And he should have. He should have finished that, and he would have then 
assuming everything else stayed the same in terms of how it panned out, he would have then had a hat-trick. He did then get the goal in the 39th minute. But again, that header, he rose uh, really high for that and got, headed it downwards, which is an area where the goalkeeper yeah. is really tricky for the goalkeeper to save. Quite close in at the far post. Yeah. And that's the cross. Again, again really... Gilmore, and Rush, uh, Gilmore and Nciso involved as well. Exactly. Gilmore started yeah. it, played it out wide, and Nciso kind of exposed their defence and then laid it back to Estupinian. And, yeah, really good cross and really good header. Yeah, well-headed. But it, it begged the question, He could he have not done something pretty similar from that corner at FA, in the FA Cup semi-final? Yeah. He just didn't get over it properly, did he? That was the problem. I think he had more people nearby, <laughs> to be fair. Well, he did. But, yes, did. it's a shame he couldn't have done that because that was a really good, probably our best chance of the night. Yeah. But anyway, go back to this one. Yeah, he had it, had it in the 39th minute. 4-0 before half-time. Wonderful, fantastic. And, and even all... the last minute of the half or the last of injury time, we were breaking and should have done more. And CISO should have set either Estepinian free or Undav away in the centre and, yeah, didn't do it and got really annoyed with himself at the end of the half, even though we were 4-0 up, which is actually really good to see, you know, players actually you know, being not you know setting high standards even in that situation. Yeah. Was there also, just before half-time, was there a chance for Solly March just over the bar? Yeah, on the edge of the area, yeah. It was my round, so I had to go and get the queue up for the drinks just before half-time, so I just missed it by a few seconds. Um, But I was told about it afterwards, and it wasn't shown on the... Yeah, it came across the area, and it kind of like... They didn't show that one on any of the the highlights, but... Yeah, um, yeah, he kind of swivelled and kind of kicked it over the bar. Would have been really nice if he'd scored, because obviously he's possibly slightly low on confidence, maybe, but... And also, just from the first half, we should mention, actually, at this point, there was a... um, there was a concerted um, effort to get a solid march on going in the seventh minute, obviously with his shirt number uh, relevance. Um, but of course, Undav scored in the sixth minute, and then there was a long wait for VAR to confirm his goal. So we ended up doing the solid march song on about the eighth minute, which is slightly missing the uh, the timing. But um, he got a rousing round of uh, applause and sort of cheering from the crowd. And it was weird this game because I think it was the first two goals we were singing for a different player to the scorer just after we scored a goal. So. We this curiosity there, which is a bit mad. And at half time, I haven't checked the audio whether it's usable. If it is, I'm going to put it in at the end of this sentence. But I had um, at half time uh, the delights of Shibo, who um, who told me he'd had less to drink than normal. I'm not quite so sure. He was starting the João Pedro song, which um, I'm, I'm sure you'll hear in future times if he if he does confirm his signing fully and formally later on. Um, which was to She's Electric, which is he's Brazilian. He only costs thirty million. We think he's fucking brilliant. Joao Pedro. Oh, it's Joao Pedro. That's the song. And you might hear this in a few seconds. If not, uh, look out for it in the future, I'm sure. But it was quite lively at halftime. Lots of singing and lots of enjoyment of that uh, first half of action. A real feel-good factor. Really noisy on the concourse at halftime in the West Upper. I'm sure you were starting all the songs in the uh, in the East, Peter. Um, so as it's halftime, we've got up to in terms of talking. Shall we have a, a break at halftime? Here we go go, then. Well, we didn't have that Joao Pedro song. I thought I'd recorded it at halftime. I hadn't done. There was something quite amusing, though, uh, from the good old Shebo, my old buddy, who I know you're listening. Uh, Here's you chatting at halftime. Shebo, halftime, 4-0. Should have been 6-0, I think. Roberto talked to me. Roberto talked to me yesterday. <laughs> he said, Shapes. He said, Shapes. Said, I said, Roberto. I said, Robs. I know it's Rob. Robs. I said, Robs. I said, Robs. He said, Yeah, Shapes. Bertie. He said, Be the 12th man today. I said, I fucking well will. 
And then what I did was, I don't give a shit, I turn around, I give it a big and I'll get this crowd going. I'll tell you what, I'll be a 12th man, I'll tell you what, that is a fucking half of football, Russell. That is a half of football without our three best players you ain't never going to see again. Barely Gilmore, Barely Gilmore, Barely Gilmore. John's lost half his point on that song. Lost last time. <laughs> but yeah, can we just say as well? Should have been six. Danny Welbeck had two chances. One was well saved on the angle. The other one was given away by a defender, and he blasted it over the bar. Hey, Russell, the Russell, that's a really good question. Um, yeah. My answer to it is. He got an assist uh, for one of the Pascal Grosch goals. Pascal's on a hat trick. We could be six nil up. As you said, weakened team, which we had to have, based on what's happened recently. This could not have gone better, could it? We We're rest, Brian O'Rourke. We We're taking the piss. We're taking the piss. We're taking the piss. We're Brian O'Rourke. We're taking the piss. Okay, there we go then. So, part two the second half, and a bit of a summary of what else happened at the weekend. That's what we're going to talk about now. Um, so the second half, we're 4-0 up. Um, Wolves make three changes at half-time, trying to shake it up, desperate to do something. As well as one in injury time in the first half as well. Oh, yeah, that's true. went off. Yeah, so four players, two windows used up. Uh, and um, only, No, only one window used up, because half-time doesn't count. Well, not that it would matter anyway. Oh, that's half-time's true. Yeah. Not a window. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they could use as many subs as they want. It wasn't going to make a difference because those three certainly didn't. Because um, no sooner than the second half started, especially if one of them was a gave us an assist as well. Yes, exactly. We're on the front foot, and Welbeck's got his second goal in the forty-eighth minute. Um, so um, Collins fitted in really well into their team by giving us an assist within about two minutes of coming on. <laughs> um, so let's talk about that one then. The Welbeck goal, um, well taken, pretty well. Having yep. missed that one from a similar position early on, he um yeah, from a he he took it really well, but it was dreadful defending. Nice nice interchange between us and I think there was a slight you know, didn't quite link up and went through to Collins and he paid it straight to Welbeck, who took a touch to get it forward and played it with shot with his left foot, completely wrong, yeah, wrong foot and yeah, really well taken, good goal. Their yep. defence was again absolutely awful. Yeah, well, it was, yeah. I mean, it, we, that did make things very easy for us. Uh, as you said, it could have, and I think it should have been more goals, really. As I said, Danny Welbeck should have put that chance away. Billy Gilmore was incredibly unlucky with the shot he went on to have in this second half, where he uh, he had a shot on the uh, diagonally across towards the goalkeeper's right side, Gilmore's left side, just, I think it just slightly brushed the outside of the post as it went out of play. It was really yeah. close. really good effort on goal. And obviously, Solly had a shot quite close as well. So, yeah, we I think we really should have had a couple more goals in this game. And I, I actually wonder if Welbeck, if he had flipped over um, their keeper in the first half, whether that would have counted as well. Because um, it, didn't, it didn't look clearly offside. It was debatable, I'd say. Yeah, so that's true. VAR yeah. might have overruled the offside if he'd actually scored. Might have done well, but could have had four goals. Are you saying? <laughs> and Estepinian had a couple of chances in on a keeper. So yeah, we we were yeah. we weren't short of chances, yeah, which, one is, of which adds up to match the day stat the other day that in 2023 we are by far the highest xG for goals this in 2023 with 37.1 compared wow. to I think Arsenal with 33.5 who are next. 
Yeah. And we're talking about the best um, match of the day on their live coverage of the FA Cup semi-final. We're talking about how we've got uh, amongst some of the best attacking stats in Europe. In fact, we were top on one of the stats. And um, that might have dropped off slightly because I don't know if they count the FA Cup. Hopefully they don't. But if they I don't, don't they do for the yes, league, I think. So Forrest, obviously, we only scored one goal in that one, but although we had some XG on that. But in the next game, obviously, now six goals against Wolves, and there could have been many more besides. I think we've probably like boosted our stats. And about 3.5 XG, I think it was, in the end or something. Yeah, in, insane. Amazing. As you said, Esther Pierre, he, he had a couple of chances. One of them, he was in on goal. He tried to dig it over the goalkeeper. I think the goalkeeper had it covered if he'd have... Yeah, the defender and keeper had, did well, to be fair, between them. And there was yeah. another one where he, he got someone got back and got a block in. Um, yeah. yeah, so... I, and then the, the sixth goal, <laughs> I mean, it kind of summed up Wolves' afternoon, didn't it? Um, yeah, Mittimer had come on by this point, and he was chasing down one of their defenders who was diddy dallying on the ball, wasn't he? And quite easily just nicked it off him. That that, that set some Undav clear. And uh, a lovely little, I love those little chip finishes, you know, where you, you yeah. get a proper height on the chip, and it drops back down. It actually, like... Nestled against the bar as it went on. Yeah, top. and I thought, gonna, I thought it was going to bounce out for a second, but yeah, it's beautiful. It's lovely little goal. It um, was really well taken. I mean, Saar didn't help himself there either. I mean, it wasn't a great ball to Nunes in the situation. I mean, yeah, that he was in, and there were two players closing down. Sometimes, and Albion are guilty of this as well. There are sometimes that you really should just get rid of it. Hmm. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I mean, we are going to do that from time to time. But what we'll do is that's the payoff. Um, so two one two. Peter. Leicester. Leicester. Yeah, that's right. You can Vardy. just say it. He's been doing gestures. Just say it. We might as well. We're, we're Two one Leicester at Vardy. Come on, Leicester. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd rather go to Leicester next year than Everton. I'm hoping Everton leads and uh, Southampton go down. But anyway, Le- Leeds can wait till later on. Yeah, exactly. In a way, if it was Everton, Leicester and Southampton, we would actually go up three places in the consecutive years in the existing, ongoing, consecutive years in Premier League uh, ratio, wouldn't we? I suppose at least... I'm that. not that bothered about that. No, I'm not that bothered, actually. <laughs> um, Leicester's for, less far to go as well. And there's some good pubs in Leicester. Yeah. Um, Stats-wise, from the game, stats-wise, um, possession lower than average. We only had, only had 57%. Uh, yeah. And it was 52%, I think, at half-time when we were four up. Yeah, yeah, which I, I'm a bit surprised. I thought it would have been higher, actually. I know Wolves did have some possession, but it didn't feel like it was that much. Um, 22 shots, uh, eight of them on time. I think, I think the thing was, though, I think Wolves were so open that we didn't have to pass it around the back quite so much to bring them in. I think they were so open that we just kind of got it forward early. You know, a lot yeah. of our possession comes from Duncan and, and Colwell or Webster kind of holding onto the ball, waiting for them to come and pressurise us. But we didn't yeah. really need to do that on Saturday because they were so open anyway that we yeah. could just get the ball through them early on. Yeah. Um, one other observation, my end. Um, there, was, there was a quote, actually, it's from Wedge, a friend of the show. He he said uh, in one of his posts on WhatsApp, Ua Undav scored our first in the sixth minute and our sixth in the 66th minute. Grosh, our number 13, scored in the 13th minute, and again 13 minutes later. So he's <laughs> putting together some stats. The, the Undav stat actually looks creepy, because when you look at him as the scorer, it, it reads as 666. <laughs> There's a comma in there, but nonetheless, that's, is he the devil incarnate? I don't know, probably not. <laughs> well, he was for Wolves at the weekend. <laughs> Along with all the rest of our team. Um, 
It was interesting, actually, because we did rest the players, but it was interesting that we brought on, because we were talking at half-time, like, well, this is brilliant. We're, we're doing better than we could have possibly hoped in a bounce-back with four of our best players not in the team, um, Ferguson being amongst them, obviously. And yet um, we didn't need to bring players on, and yet we did anyway. We still brought on Mittema, McAllister and Casado. Uh, that was an yeah, interesting. I, I mean, it's obviously they, they brought them on for a, a nice run-out, but it was, yeah, I, I, I was a bit confused at the point when they brought them on. But on the other hand, maybe Deserby wants to push the goal difference Liverpool-wise or whatever. Or I mean, to be fair, they didn't exactly do much. They didn't really need to do much except walk around. And it was quite yeah. a nice, easy run out for them. It wasn't like they were pressing or anything particularly at that point. I think, I think imagine what you were like, uh, your walls, when you're like three nil, five nil, five nil down or six nil down. And on yeah. come Mitoma, McAllister and Casado. Yeah, and Mitoma absolutely terrorised them. Really on the did. right, on their right and our left. He, he, he three or four times he got around the back and destroyed yeah. their fullback and who came, who really was on him, the, whoever it was on in place of Semedo. He just yeah, they couldn't deal with him and he yeah, he a couple of times the ball just bounced, couldn't quite bounce for us in the area. But yeah, yeah, it shows Mr. is just like they they when they teams close him down, it's obviously it's a bit harder and he but we need to take make advantage of the extra man somewhere else then. But with yeah, yeah when when given the space he is still Absolutely scintillating to watch. Yeah. Um, I mentioned that um, those three big hitters came on, and you're right, Mitterma was a real threat when he did come on. It's good to see him back to his snappy best. Um, I did mention Buenonote, who came on as well. For That was for March on 56 minutes. Uh, one other sub took place. That was Ayari on 80 minutes. I was a bit disappointed, though, that we didn't use this opportunity to get a bit more of um, game time in for players that we might need to use. OK, Colwell on the bench and Sanchez on the bench. We don't need to worry about particularly. Uh, Ayari did come on. Um, the other ones were Van Hecker and Ophaya. I would have liked to have, given the magnitude of the lead, I would have liked to have given them some time yeah. if needed. Especially Ophaya, considering the one down, real downside of the whole game was the loss of Beltman and potentially exactly. not, yeah. you know, what was, you know, apparently he was crying going off, so could be a bad injury. Yeah, I really was quite surprised that Ophaya didn't get a chance. He's obviously happy to use him as he did at Forest. So yeah. why not here when we're we're cruising? Yeah, yeah, and we so, I mean, Squash well. goes to right back probably against United, but then who else is at right back after that? Yeah, and, so, we, and, yeah. and Grosh isn't, although he can play there, it's not his best position. And obviously that takes something away from our options elsewhere on the pitch. I suppose at least Ayari getting in gives us another option where Grosh can play. So, we, you know, there is Well, that. Gilmore especially is now another option. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was surprised he didn't play in the whole time. Yeah, mm. um, the whole time against between Forrest and, uh, and United. But and shout Lampy- out to, to Lewis Duncan, Pascal Grosh, because uh, I think they were the only two to play all 300 minutes of... Uh, of action between those two games, which is yeah. pretty impressive in a no space of less than a week. Yeah. Um, Lamptey, we're, we're hearing might be out for the season now. and um, I think, yeah, he's, they've been confirmed he is. It sounds like Lana might well be as well. Yeah, which is and a shame. But... also is. And possibly Sarmiento as well, because we, yeah. we haven't really heard about him. And Modo won't be back, obviously. It's kind of like, that's, that could be five players out for the season. Yeah, which is, I mean, uh, if, we, if we manage to get into Europe, yeah, that's another bragging point, the fact that we could do it with such um, personnel missing. And we've had other players out at various other times this well, season. Well, when you look this season, we haven't had Modder at all. Mwepu played about two or three games. and uh, You know, he was part of our squad at the start of the season, and we haven't had him, obviously, for obvious reasons. Yeah. You know, Ferguson's missed had a couple of spells out from when he's been available. Welbeck has, Webster had some time out, and actually is starting to look back to his best now. He often yep. struggles a bit after injury, but seems to have got back to his best now. Yeah, and players have been sold as well, so obviously that likes a trossel yeah. uh, missing from our squad now. Um, but 
Yeah, it does expose certain weaknesses. I do think we do need to replace, well, not replace, but sort of strengthen in the uh, fullback positions, possibly, especially at right side. It seems, I mean, uh, Alan, friend of the show, was saying how he, he saw him coming off in tears, Feltman, and he's worried whether there might be an underlying issue that's that they're hoping would go away and is actually naggingly staying there. It's just speculation on his part, but he was saying that it looks like it might be like an ongoing issue here, which might need, maybe there's an op needed or something like that. And because it's a hamstring, we assume how long um, uh, Lamptey was out with a hamstring-related issue. That's a worry, isn't it? And also, Veltman's not getting any younger, so it's... Maybe, you know, his contract is running down as well. I don't know what where how things will pan out there, but it, we do need, obviously that's one for the summer, but we do need to strengthen there. Um, anyway, yeah, any I other... think it would be really nice to get a, a, a Stupinian equivalent uh, at right back, you know, yeah. to, and I think we need a left back back up to him as well because he looked a bit knackered recently. We've not really got an alternative and also a, a, a replacement for Colwell who almost certainly won't be signing permanently, I imagine, given the price. But, I mean, if you look at it, we're already being linked with a number of players. You know, we've Pedro, Real Pedro seems like it's almost certain to be done. Um, Milner is being talked about. The Ajax right-back, Rhett Wrench or something like that, I think his name is, has been linked. Um, and Alex Scott, who's a very exciting-sounding one from Bristol yeah. City. But, I mean, the club are clearly, you know, happy to spend money if the, if the, the right player comes along. If you know, there's 30 million for Pedro and if there's... They're rumoured to be in for Scott at 25 or whatever sort of thing. If a young player comes in, I don't think we'll do what I think the suggestion was that Deserby wants us to do in January if, we, if he did want us to bring in Matt Bianco for, you know, 20 odd million at 28. I don't, we won't be doing that, but we've shown we will spend money on young or young players with quality rather than just buying, you know, yeah. kind of potential. And in terms of those players, um, some of those are championship. We think, well, we don't really go for championship players. Well, we have done. Webster, which is our record sale at the moment, pending whatever happens with João Pedro, 20 million from Bristol City. Uh, West Sussex boy, of course, but he was at Bristol City. And obviously more pay, although it didn't work out in the end, more pay was for a well, while. I think it did work out in the end, in a sense. we It sounds like we made a profit on him. And three, you know, kind of we, we, um, we've got three different, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Three top goal scorers seasons out of him. He may not have been the best player ever, but he was, you know, we, we got three different, yeah, you know, top goal scorer. And Moy, we also got from the championship that year, and he, we got profit for him having done well for a year as well. So that's true. Yeah. And then obviously, as we said, we've got Pedro coming in by the sounds of it. And as you said, Scott is a very good player. If we get him, I'll be pleased with that. I think he's got a lot of potential. Um, and they're the right age group. So they are Albion players. In that sense, you know, Albion type players signing. Yeah, that, I just don't see us spending big money on a player at 27, 28 who is in their prime and yeah. has no real sell on value, or at yeah. least not anywhere near whose value will go down as soon as they come. You know, someone like Yao Pedro will will increase in value rather than go down if he if he does well. Whereas even if you know someone like Matt Bienko came in and did well, he still wouldn't increase in value because he's past his prime. Yeah, so that's, that's where it, you know, it's not the model in the sense that it's not cheap, you know, relatively cheap ones from South America and Asia and that sort of thing. But it's, and also crucially, Jal Pedro apparently is homegrown. He was so young when he went to Watford, yeah. um, which is obviously a big thing. We have to watch. We can't just keep buying players from South America and Asia. We need some homegrown ones as well. This is the balance we need to keep striking. You're right. That's a good point. Yeah. Also, and it's interesting how many young players they've got coming through the youth system. Players like, you know, Hinchelwood signed the new deal recently. Moran signed a new deal. Obviously, Ferguson is a bit different in the sense he's in the first team squad. But certainly Hinchelwood and Moran both are regarded, I think, as prospects. You know, we've got some real attacking, exciting attacking talent. A drinker who is, you know, if he comes in next year, has got much better stats than Bissamer this year or had last year. Um, it, for a... Uh, you at for USG. 
Yeah, um, yeah, that, that it's all exciting stuff. It's brilliant. The academy, because I mean, so many people are out on loan, and because you've got the likes of Ferguson coming into the first team, and Moran's been on the bench a couple of times, and Afire's been on the bench and stuff like that. You, it, it, we're doing quite well considering how stripped out that the the twenty ones yeah. and the eighteens are actually. Because yeah, Rush, some of the eighteens are coming through. Who's that? Sorry, um, Rush was coming through as well. You know, kind of, and Beadle both have done well on loan this year. Um, you know, we've got Ed Turns got promoted with Orient. I wonder if he might go back there next season to get the next level up. Yeah. You know, they, they, there's some real, real quality. Um, yeah, plenty more besides. There's, there's absolutely loads actually that are um, are out on loan. I mean, uh, Jensen Weir has obviously been Morecambe's top scorer pretty much. I think yeah, isn't he? he scored. He scored some cracking goals. I've seen the goals. Yeah. He, scored, and he scores a lot from range and outside the box. But obviously, you know, presumably he'll be looking for a championship loan next year and then. Maybe see if, see if either if he's close to being in the team, you know. And if yeah. and if we don't, even if he doesn't, then we can think about selling him and he'll get a decent deal potentially. That's so there's, yeah, there's so many kind of quite exciting young players coming through. Kozlowski was talked about at one point as being one of the you know Polish wonder kid. So we've got some players, really, really young players in the squad as well itself. So yeah, and some of these players will will just create market value and be sold because they won't quite make it like your KRS was before, who's continued to do well for Coventry. But looking at our loans, I mean, you mentioned some of these, but um, you've got James Furlong at Motherwell. You've got Ed Turns at Orient. Jensen Weir's been at Morecambe. Carl Rushworth at Lincoln. Reda Kadra at Birmingham, who keeps doing well in the Championship, but I've got the feeling he's not going to quite make it with us. But we'll get a fee for him. It'll be a Jock Harris type thing. You've got Beadle at Crewe, you mentioned. Hayden Roberts at Derby. Abdullah Simmer at Angers. Uh, Kjell Sherpin at Vitesse Arnhem. Uh, Kasper Koslowski at Vitesse Arnhem as well. Uh, Andy Zakiri at Basel. Mark Leonard at Northampton, who's doing very well. Yeah, he's doing really well, isn't he? Yeah. Another promotion or potential promotion campaign there. You've got Taylor Richards, Tom Miller and Jack Sponger on loan. You've got Stephen Alzate at Standard Liège. And you've got Simon Adingra that you mentioned at USG. And I probably, that's just the ones I've I've noted down. I've probably missed some out. (laughs) Some coming through in the under-23s as well, still doing quite well. They were quite young. So under-23s and under-18s are quite young generally, I think. So... You know, yeah, the likes of Hinshelwood and Papillon, Papillon, how you pronounce it, and um, players like that who are, you know, really good prospects. Moran himself, who, I mean, yeah. whether he's going to, whatever happens, he'll either be out on loan next year, quite a reasonable level, or he'll be playing mm-hmm. in the first team squad as he's been quite a few times this season, you know. Of course, one that's already making his way through is Evan Ferguson. Hopefully, he'll be back for the next game. We got United. We could have done with him against United a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But did you see um, that fifteen-year-old uh, winger Lamine Yamal? Um, I think he's made his debut even earlier than Evan Ferguson did in Ireland. Um, but he is playing for a, a, a small team, Barcelona. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, youngest ever player for Barcelona and probably in the Spanish league in general uh, on Saturday. Um, and what was interesting, and Robin, a friend of the show, pointed this out, while he's 15 years old, he came on as a sub and he actually had a good chance, which was well saved in that game. In the same match, their opponents, Real Betis, had a winger of their own, Joaquin, who is 41 years old, <laughs> believe it or not, 26 year difference. Uh, he also played in that game. Uh, he's about to uh, retire, actually. But he, he apparently, according to Robin, he played... 200 plus La Liga games by the time Yamal was born. <laughs> so that's one hell of a contrast in a match. Yeah, that, that's uh, the perfect kind of contrast, isn't it? Yeah. Well, leaving that, unless there's anything else Albion related to particularly speak of, and um, should we go on to a quick summary of what else happened at the weekend? Yeah, sounds good. Um, what have we got? So we, we, we're coming into the penultimate weekend of 
a lot of the seasons. Non-league, I think, has come to the end of the regulation seasons, uh, except, no, in all in all divisions, I think, now. Um, so there's quite a bit going on. We already know that Burnley are up, and we already know they've now confirmed the title. Sheffield United are now, I can't remember when it was, I think it was um, actually midweek that they confirmed Yeah promotion last midweek um and then it interestingly coventry who were in the relegation zone when i put a bet on them to get promoted they had lots of games in hand because i remember their season got yeah upset by and um, rugby. yeah it's, it's, it was um rugby um sevens was going on and screwing their pitch up wasn't it they had to get redone so so they had games in hand and i put them down as a, a bet for promotion they are in the playoffs and all they need to do is get a point if that, to get into the playoffs. And who else is in there? Well, Sunderland are pushing, Luton are in there, Millwall, I think, are in there, aren't they now? Um, Middlesbrough and Luton are guaranteed, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's between a few teams still. There's like a, quite, there's a few teams who could. Coventry are in pole position. They only need a draw last game to guarantee yeah. it. Millwall need to win. And then any of Sunderland, West Brom or Blackburn could make their way in. Although Blackburn have a minus three goal difference, so it makes it hard for them. They have to win and hope everyone else around them pretty much loses or fails to win. Yeah. And um, at the bottom, I know Rotherham, I think, won today, which is a massive win for them. I think they're safe now um, at the bottom end of the table. Uh, yes, they are. Yeah, Rotherham. So it's only between Huddersfield and Reading for that final place. Blackpool and Wigan are down. Reading go to Huddersfield last game of the season. Um, yes. But Huddersfield also hosts Sheffield United this week. So if Huddersfield, um, if Huddersfield win, get appointed in that game, then Reading are down, which would be a real shame. Mm. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's mad, isn't it? It's crazy, crazy um, stuff going on there. And then talking of disappointing results, um, massive missed out on promote automatic promotion. Oh no! Um, yes, I, I, that's right. They did, didn't they? So gutted for the Ipswich and Plymouth. Um, two much more likable teams overall. Likable fans. Um, yeah, two, yeah. I really like both of those clubs, especially Plymouth. Obviously, after our relationship with them over the years. Yeah, definitely. They won their game in hand in midweek, which set them up for just needing to match Wednesday score. I think, and they uh, basically they yeah they got the win they needed. So that was that. Yeah, <laughs> Ipswich only needs to win to go up, and they won six <laughs> nil. Yeah, just the six goals. <laughs> yeah. Not the first time this season they've done that. In fact, it's not the first time this they've, month. They've, they've, they've got a goal difference of plus 66 compared to Plymouth's plus 33. <laughs> plus 66. That is insane. That's amazing. Oh, God. That's absolutely incredible. I mean, there's been yeah, a lot that, of about Their goal difference is, is um, yeah, crazy, but well played to them. Um, yeah, they've scored, they've scored 99 goals, seeded 33. I think they've fantastic. actually scored the most and conceded the fewest in the whole league, which is unusual for a team, you know, who aren't top to be in a situation where they've done both of those things. I think their fans will be relatively happy with their season, won't they? I mean, Plymouth, yeah. Plymouth well, they're in pole position for the title. They've got the extra point. Um, Barnsley have had a great season as well. Again, they've yeah. they've, they've overachieved with sort of what must be a fairly small budget. They get quite a, poor, good a poorish start as well, I think they had. Yeah. They get good crowds there as well, actually, Barnsley. They're a good club. Um, you know, they're battling and they've been in the playoff position for quite a while. They've confirmed, comfortably confirmed already as playoffs. Yeah. I mean, if it's seeded, it'll be a South Yorkshire derby in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. If it stays like that, yeah. Last time they, they did that, I think, they, I think Barnsley won 4 2 or something recently. So, yeah. hope for a repeat of that. And then Bolton and Derby. Well, Bolton are in the playoffs now, and Derby and Peter are competing for the last place. Yeah. Derby Dar- with the two Derby goes to Wednesday on. Um, on uh, Saturday, which actually could be repeated in the playoffs if they if they were to get a point there and guarantee their or two or three points and guarantee their playoff place. Hmm. 
Um, other end of the table, Cole Stockton sort of come back into form and into play for Morecambe, who have never, ever been relegated, but they are at their highest ever position, uh, which, I mean, in terms of um, divisions, which is League One. Uh, they've, they're fighting for it, aren't they? Their goal difference behind going into the final game behind Milton Keynes-Dons. But I think Cambridge have got other one to watch because they've got Burton away midweek who are safe and have nothing to play for, and then go to Forest Green, who are bottom. Yeah. If they so win those hands, two, yeah. then they stay up anyway. Yeah. Um, Oxford are but Oxford are not mathematically safe, but are safe because, in reality, because yeah, it would require one of Milton Keynes or 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 Morecambe to catch up a massive amount of goal difference on them. Yeah. So yeah, they they're terrible safe. They're going to be relieved. Aki, Forest Green are down. Yeah, Forest Green are down. Um, and Aki as well. Yeah. Um, which is a shame for them. Good club, but they are you know they're probably punching above their weight really being in League One because they are a very small club overall but a good club very good club we went there this season of course to see them yeah. um, League Two Orient are already steamed away They've yeah been- Stevenage are up as well which is yep. you know a bit surprising they've done as much as I hate to admit it Steve Evans has done a good job there that's something like his um, I think that's his um, sixth or is it yeah sixth, he, sixth he, he's very effective yeah and Northampton are in third place at the moment, so it's in their hands going into the final game. Stockport, first season back up after a few years down out of the league. And and the big club, decent decent fan base, two points off autos, they could still get in there. They've got a better goal difference, actually, than Northampton too. So if Northampton draw, you never know. And remember yeah, last season, the crazy... I feel sorry for Northampton. They, they conceded to Bradford in the last minute, and that kind of... Yeah. That point would have probably meant they needed a point at Tranmere. Would have meant they needed a point at Tranmere on the weekend, and yeah. now they must be kind of fearing what happened last year. After they, I mean, if they win, they know they're up. But yeah, yeah it's there was a crazy goal difference swing, wasn't there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they they won last year, so if they win again, they they know they're up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, if Bradford win their game in hand, then either of them could or Stockport could um, could pip Northampton. Yeah. Sadly, at the bottom, Northampton, Hartlepool and Rochdale have both gone. Yeah. Askey gave a good fight of it. They, they were unbeaten in a number of their yeah. games. So not enough quite. They, they lost at home to Crawley. That was, weekend, so. Yeah. Yeah, they lost at home to Crawley. That was the killer. Um, yeah. It was going to have to be a, a very close thing, but they're now four points adrift, so that's that. Wimbledon, I mean, they're, they're comfortably safe in the end. They're six points clear going into the final game with a much better goal difference as well, but a terrible season for them, really, having got relegated last year. Um, I like yeah. them as well. Good club, but they need to turn that round a bit next season. Yeah. Um, Harrogate, we need to go back and tick Harrogate off. They survived, of course. They were looking ropey for a while, but they made it. Um, so there we go. Anyway, that's enough about the league. Very, very quickly to round off, non-league. First of all, I've got to say for our Worthing friends, congratulations to Worthing. Their first yeah. season ever at the second tier of non-league, sixth tier of English football. And they've gone. Not, they've only gone and finished fourth in the National League yeah, South. It's an incredible achievement. Which means they're in the playoffs. It also means they've got a home tie in the Eliminator or quarterfinal of the playoffs, which is taking place. Well, they're, they're taking place on Tuesday and Wednesday. Worthing's is on Wednesday against Braintree. The other game is Chelmsford at home to St Albans, I think. And the winners of those games will then play um, against the sides that finish second and third. So Dartford will play the Chelmsford St Albans game winners on Saturday, I think it is. And on Sunday, if Worthing win, they would be playing away to Oxford City. And the winners of those two games then play the playoff final, I think, the week after. Um, At the home of the, the top like, top finishing team. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, it might be a bit early for Worthing. They can say they've had a great season anyway, but who knows where it goes? I'm not sure what the, the ground 
um, standard scenario would be if they did actually manage to get promoted. Um, it's against the odds. I think Worthing, by all accounts, Peter Vale, the commentator for Worthing, or matchday commentator, who's friend of the show who we've had on a couple of times, the one matey with, he said um, he was really pleased they just avoided Chelmsford because he thinks they're the second best team in there, even though they finished um, in fourth, in fifth place. Um, actually, he thinks they're they're the better best team after the obvious uh, outstanding. Uh, best side of Ebbsfleet. Uh, but interesting to see how that goes. But one division up from there, of course, your boys Barnet have not only got into the playoffs, which we've already mentioned before, Boreham Wood, who are always perennial there or thereabouters, are playing them at Barnet. It's a local derby, Peter. Are you going? Yeah, big, old, big game for Barnet. Um, yeah, I mean, it's in a way, it's probably... It's probably a battle to see who will lose to Notts County in the semi-final away because uh, Notts County are a, a literal class above everyone else by quite some distance. But yeah, it, it'll be, should be an interesting game, which I'll be heading to tomorrow. Proper glory hunter because I haven't been to any games this season until that. So yeah, yeah. shocking behaviour. This um, season, um, yeah. Um, with Worthy, it's a shame you're not going to be able to get to. We've mentioned how uh, you and well, both of us won't be able to get to the final if they get there because we've got Arsenal away. Unless it's, uh, we don't know where the venue is yet, but if it's somewhere that we could get to get to Arsenal from, um, we might end up going. Who knows? It's possible. Um, if it's if it's in a somewhere like a London stadium venue, that would be very convenient, wouldn't it? I don't know where it's going to take place. Or well, I think it could only be at Dartford or Worthing, couldn't it? Because they'd be either be higher or. Do you reckon it's? Well, at Oxford City, they're already playing. So yeah. it could it would either be at Dartford or Worthing, basically. Yeah. Oh, and we definitely couldn't get back from Worthing for a twelve from a twelve thirty kickoff. So it so it is at the uh, it's at the high rank ground. Yeah, yeah, you're right. apparently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we actually need it not to be at Worthing, which should just be for selfish reasons. Even at Dartford, I'm not sure we get there in time. Maybe we no, just I think probably it will be a. It will yeah. be, rely on a lot of things working out, especially not extra time, for example. Yeah. Can we also say, by the way, congratulations, speaking of Sussex teams, to Whitehawk, who got promoted back yeah. into the Ismin Prem. Um, they won uh, through a couple of playoff matches and uh, they're back in. Great to see. Yeah, great to see. And, and also, I think on another note, congratulations to South Shields, because they, mm-hmm. like Worthing, were, should have gone from, got promoted during the years of uh, COVID True and didn't, didn't get up, go up last year. I mean, came second and missed out in the playoffs, and they've yeah. made, they've gone up this year. So well done to them as well, because you know it's, it, felt, it felt really unfair that teams were, you know, yeah, kind of done. They missed out and to be, miss out then when you. I mean, they did give it another go, like Hinchelwood's Worthing did, but they didn't quite make it. Which is, I think they came sure. second last year and missed out in the playoffs, didn't they, or something? It's so. Cool, isn't it? Really cruel. Uh, it's, it's horrendous. But and also on top of that, they were. This is from the Northern Premier league into the national league north that's that's what the transition is yeah. and they've already become uh, professional um i think uh, the final year of lockdown they turned professional so which is very unusual for that level i mean worthing aren't professional yet in the in division above so uh, they're semi-pro so you know for a professional side at that level they really needed to get up as well yeah all well, accounts um from a couple of people i've heard on podcasts uh they're saying that the division will actually probably suit them better because they're more of a footballing side, and apparently the Northern Prem is quite physical, whereas the National I can imagine probably is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, tough, tough Northerners and all that. Yeah, but um, anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's good. Yeah, congratulations to them as well. All looking good, and the Sussex Senior Cup. Where uh, Brighton are not going to win that. They lost to Bogner. Um, I think Worthing were playing Hastings in the other semi final. I don't know if it's taken place. Yeah, they won on penalties. Or Worthing won it. Yeah. Oh, so it's the big derby. Worthing Bogner in the final. Might have to try and go to that. When's that when we're playing, I suppose? Uh, I don't know. It's a Thursday night, I think someone said, at the Amex. 
The Amex as well. Brilliant. I think. I thought I read that anyway. I could be wrong. Well, I'll be rooting for Worthing, certainly in that one against uh, the arch rivals. Uh, The dirty Bogner lot. Oof, no. Can't be having them win it. <laughs> anyway, I think that sums it up, Peter. Anything else to discuss on? Friday? No, nothing. Nothing from my side. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Hope for more of the same on Thursday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very quickly to mention. So, yeah, Man United Thursday is the next one. The chance to do the double over them. We may never get as good a chance as this. Um, they, they're trickier than they were earlier in the season, but I think we. It's ripe for revenge. It feels like yeah. the right time to play them now. Um, so soon after that game, we've got something to put right there. And I think because we've managed to rest players and get them all fresh, Evan Ferguson hopefully will be back because I think he was the missing ingredient last time. And we've had it's a bit of not off the bench or. Yeah, even off the bench. And we've got a good recent record against Manu. Even even the, the Cup semi, it was still, you know, they needed pens. They didn't beat us in normal time. In fact, we were the better side. And if we could win that game, the second of three home games in a row, ahead of Monday's Everton home match, which I can't go to annoyingly, but if we could win those two other games to make it three in a row, that firms us right back up. Because at the moment, we're two points behind Spurs and Villa with three games in hand. Is that right? Which, I think so, yeah. I know those are tough. Two in hand now after yesterday. Might be two after the weekend. It might be two. Is it two or three in hand? I think it's three again. It's three. Wow. Oh yeah, because they played. Yeah, it is three in hand. We have got those are tough games in hand. Obviously, you know, but but nonetheless, if we can get ahead of them before we've even played those games, then it turns into bonus games, doesn't it? Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, they've got to play each other next weekend, the weekend after next, or when we play Arsenal. Yeah, well, if a couple of us, me included, worked out that we, we only need to win four out of seven to guarantee a, a top seven finish because of that clash between two sides. So according to our maths, we think that's right anyway. Uh, four out of seven sounds achievable, doesn't it? But if we can beat United and Everton, it sounds a whole, mu- whole lot more achievable to get two from the other uh, from the other five. But we'll see. See how it goes. OK, Peter, that sums it up, doesn't it, really? So, yeah. Um, yeah, all good. Let's, uh, let's hope for more on Thursday. Yeah, indeed. Not sure what the next pod will be. Uh, probably might do a match day special on on Thursday, but probably not. We'll probably just do a, a review. It might even be a review of two games after the Everton match. But uh, stay tuned for the next one. Please do rate and review us if you can on the usual uh, formats. Um, any of that helps. Really, please help us out if you can, guys. Thank you to everyone for listening in as usual. And Peter, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.